Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, today we're continuing the study that we're in in the Beatitudes. We've called it Blessed. And, uh, and so we've been looking at uh, Jesus' message as he has begun here to uh, unpack the Sermon on the Mount. And what he's talking about is what we are to be, not just what we are to do. And uh, how many know that a relationship with Christ really starts with what happens on the inside, the character and the formation that Christ does on the inside before we do anything. And so we're in a turning point in our series today. We started out several weeks ago talking about the first, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who are poverty in spirit, who recognize their need. When we come in the presence of God and recognize our need, we see our sinfulness and we begin to recognize that we are far from the Lord. And so that leads us to a place of repentance or mourning. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And then when we're in that place where we're in that right position with God, we find ourselves in a position where we can begin to pursue the character of meekness. Blessed are those who are meek, for they will inherit the earth. Meekness has to do with submitting ourselves to the will of God, submitting ourselves and putting ourselves under the Scripture and the Word of God, the will of God, the Word of God, and also the people of God. And that place of emptiness leads to the blessing that Jesus says we are to pursue next, which is Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They shall be satisfied. Now, if you really take a look at this, what you, what you can really see in this, the more you ponder it, the more you recognize that hungering and thirsting for righteousness has to be something that comes out of a place of need, a place of emptiness. And that's what the first three Beatitudes do. Blessed are the poor in spirit gives us an emptiness in our spirit where we say, boy, there is something lacking in my relationship with God, something lacking in my person. When we get the sin out of our lives and we say, I've been looking for satisfaction in other things, other ways. I've not been living according to the gospel, their sin. I begin to mourn and repent that I'm clearing out this place of sin. And when I find myself submitting to Scripture and submitting to God's Word and have a strength and a passion for God that is under control, it leads me to a place of, of, of want and desire, which is perfect because then the Lord says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. How many know the Lord longs for us to be filled with righteousness? Amen. So in other words, after pronouncing on a blessing on those uh, in their emptiness, who grieve over it, who don't try to justify and defend themselves, Jesus now makes a transition from emptiness to fullness by saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, if you've ever wondered how to foster a strong relationship with the Lord, the keys are found in this next beatitude. A helpful analogy comes uh, when we think of Scripture in terms of roots, life, and fruit. In fact, spiritual life begins when God brings new life through the living seed of His Word that is planted in our soul. 
In fact, Peter writes this in 1 Peter 1.23, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and the abiding word of God. And James follows up in James 1.21 with, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word of God planted within you, which can save you. You see, the very foundation of deep roots is the idea that we stand before God and recognize our need and that we allow God to move anything out of the way that would restrict us from putting our roots down deep in Scripture and we submit ourselves to the Lord. That gives us a foundation of a root system that then springs forth life. A plant begins with deep roots, but then out of that springs forth life. And that life is that where that nutrients comes in, the hunger and the thirst, the feeding and the water which then produces fruit and when you think of the beatitudes you can think of it in a very similar pattern in fact the fruit then comes in the beatitudes that we're going to look at over the next couple weeks of mercy and purity and peace but we can't reach those until we have our roots down until we have the life of seeking that which satisfies a hunger and a thirst for righteousness Now let's talk about two kinds of righteousness this morning. There are two kinds of righteousness. The first we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago in the service, the, the, excuse me, in the series that we did on justice and mercy. And, uh, And we talked about a righteousness. The first righteousness is the righteousness that Christ gives you. Christ is our righteousness. In fact, Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 1.30. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. That means that righteousness depends not on us, but depends on Christ. There's an outward way in which people try to live right, try to do right, try to do good deeds. That's not the righteousness. That righteousness falls short. That's what Isaiah wrote when he said that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. Yet there is a different righteousness that when we put our faith in Christ, we receive His righteousness. In other words, it's not about my works which fall short of God's glory, but rather when I receive Christ, He clothes me or imputes to me His righteousness so that when I stand before God on judgment day, I am declared holy, not because of good works that I've done, but because of the work that Christ has done. In fact, that's what faith in Jesus is all about. That's what salvation, salvation is saying, I'm not going to put my hope for for forgiveness. I'm not going to put my hope for a right standing with God in my own good works. Rather, I'm going to put my faith in Christ's good work. Christ who was fully righteous. Christ who was without sin. And yet he laid down his life so that we might have life and righteousness. Paul writes this in Philippians 3, 9, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So that's Christ's righteousness to us. That's a gift, not something that has to be pursued, something that is simply given when I place my faith in Christ. However, the second type of righteousness is a righteousness that God calls us to. In fact, when we take a look at the Bible and Jesus speaks about righteousness, we see here that he says, hunger and thirst for righteousness. If I were to ask you the question, why did Jesus die? How many of you might come back with, well, Jesus died that I might receive forgiveness of sins. Now, that's good, right? That's that's right on. 
Maybe you might say, well, why did Jesus die? Well, Jesus died that I might be able to spend eternity with him in heaven. That's a good answer too, isn't it? Yet those, but yet when we look at what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2.24, let's see the answer that he gave. He said, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin. And look at this, live to righteousness. There is a righteousness that we are called to live. There's a righteousness that is given to us at salvation. That is Christ's righteousness. But it ought to lead us to a calling and a living, a life towards righteous living and holiness. In fact, Paul agrees with this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 4 when he talks about Jesus Christ dying on the cross and giving his life to defeat uh, the, 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 the marvelous reference of sin in the flesh. And he says this, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. There is a walking in the Spirit, a walking in righteousness, a living for righteousness that we are called to as believers. In fact, I would go on to say that that is a distinguishing mark of a disciple or a believer in Jesus Christ, a follower of Christ, is one who wants to live and pursue righteousness and holiness. In fact, I would say that if you don't have a desire to pursue righteousness, but to simply continue to walk in the ways that you walked in before salvation, that perhaps you need to take a look at what faith, where, where you have placed your faith. Because it's probably not in Jesus Christ. The difference between the righteousness that Christ gives us and the righteousness to which he calls us to is important for us to understand and grasp. People who come to Christ in a penitent faith realize I don't have what it takes before God. And in that way, we come and we see this marvelous gift of Christ's righteousness perfected and given to us. And yet, when we receive that righteousness, which is not our own, it leads us to have a stirring and a hunger and a desire to be like Christ and to live out our faith. To all who are in Christ, it says He gives the Holy Spirit who renews our hearts he creates within us this deep desire that we have. And so now that we have gotten the basis of these two types of righteousness, I want to take two observations about hunger today. First of all, hunger is a sign of need. We're getting close to lunchtime. I'm pretty sure there are some of you that are, your bellies are telling you, I'm hungry, I need food. <laughs> Depending on when you've eaten last, hunger is a sign of need. It says, I have a need. When you experience hunger, your body is telling you, you have need. It's the same way when it comes to righteousness. Jesus says, the ones who are blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The blessing belongs not to those who think they are righteous, but rather those who see how far they have to go. And so when you have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, that is a healthy thing because what it shows is there is an awareness of my need. I have an awareness of my need. In fact, the mark of a true believer is not that we feel righteous, but that we long to be more righteous than we are. And when it comes to righteousness, the blessed people are those who not think that they have it, but know that they're far from God. Secondly, hunger is a sign of life and spiritual health. A sign of life and spiritual health. How many of you know that when you have an infant, you don't have to teach that infant how to be hungry? 
right? That's a sign of life. That's a sign of health. If that infant is healthy, that infant is going to want to eat. If you are healthy, you want to eat. But how many know that when you experience some type of illness, that sometimes causes you to have a lack of appetite? When you have something physically that is going on wrong, an illness, something that's happening, then you lack a hunger. Well, let me tell you that that is the same way spiritually. When you are spiritually, you have an appetite, a hungering, a thirsting for righteousness, that is a place of health. That is a place that says that there is something inside of me spiritually that is healthy. However, if you do not have a longing or a spiritual longing or hungering for righteousness, then it may be that there is a, something telling you that there is something wrong, something unhealthy in your spiritual life. Alexander McLaren says that there is a great deal more in Christianity than longing, but there is no Christianity worth the name without it. Hungering for righteousness, friends, is, is a sign of spiritual life. The truth is, whether you're a believer in Jesus Christ, whether you're here in this room, or whether you are somebody that never follows Christ, there is always a quest within the human soul for satisfaction. We have hunger. We have a need, a hunger after something to bring satisfaction. The problem comes in is that oftentimes we don't seek the right things. How many of you know that you can seek the wrong things to find satisfaction? In fact, money is one of those things. If your heart grabs money, Scripture says you never have money enough. Ecclesiastes 5.10, whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. A desire and a hunger after money will only leaving, leave you wanting more. The same thing is for any other lusts of the flesh, any other sins of the flesh. In fact, if you take a look at, at lust, it will always burn within. You will always long for more. You will never find satisfaction. In fact, if you have pride in your heart that takes root in your heart, you will always be longing for somebody to give you a pat on the back or affirmation. You'll always seek it, and whatever you get will never be enough. If you pursue the trophy, if you pursue the championship, once you have it, you know that right away you're already thinking about next year, and can we get a second one? Anybody who's a fan of sports knows that. Cavaliers, one championship was not enough. They kept falling short, and we go, come on, we only got one during that time, Right? Sin never satisfies. Isaiah 55, 2 and 3. What do you spend money for? That which is not bread? Or why do you spend money, spend your money for that which is not bread or your labor for that which does not satisfy? Aren't these great questions? He says, listen diligently. Eat what is good. Delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear. Come to me that your soul may live. Look at how Jeremiah puts it, Jeremiah 2.13. For my people have committed two evils, they have forsaken me, that's the one evil, the fountain of living water, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, that's the second, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So not only does he say that you have forsaken me, but rather than just forsaking me, you have pursued things that are broken cisterns where it does not satisfy. No matter how much you put in, it is always leaking out. Friends, how many times have we pursued things that leak and they leave us coming up empty and dry? But Jesus tells us to, that, that there is one desire, one desire that can bring a satisfaction and a filling of the soul that nothing in this world can. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. 
You see, deep and lasting satisfaction from our soul comes from the things that the that delights of the not from the delights of the world or the merely religious or vertical relationship with God, but satisfaction comes from God for those whose passion is life to know Him and who struggle to be like Him in the world. That's an intense desire, an intense thirst for God. I think of David. You know, David was somebody that was considered a worshiper of the Lord. He was somebody that, that loved the Lord. There were times when he got off track, right? He was, he, was, he was human like us, yet David always seemed to have a desire for the Lord, a desire for, for, for the things of the Lord. Psalm 42, 1 and 2, as the deer pants for flowing streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. He wrote again in Psalm 63, 1, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. You see, the, the paradox that we find within this beatitude is one in which we say hunger and thirst for righteousness and you shall be filled. Yet what we see in Scripture is not only this Filling, but also the filling of God creates a new desire and a fresh hunger and thirst for God. A.W. Pink said, Can one who has been brought into vital union with him, the bread of life, be found still hungering and thirsting? And he said it with an unequivocal yes! <laughs> Such is the experience of a renewed heart. In fact, Martin Lloyd joins. Martin Lloyd-Jones concurs, the Christian is one who at one and the same time is hungering and thirsting, yet he is filled. The more he is filled, the more he hungers and thirsts. Let me give you a warning, friends. Something that in this beatitude, the blessing is found in what we might call an insatiable satisfaction. What do I mean by that? Well, to be satisfied means to be filled. Insatiable means to be continually unfilled. But yet what we find, the Lord Jesus Christ with righteousness is calling us to something that once you are filled, you want to continually be filled. It stirs something in you. The more we seek Christ in His righteousness, the more of Christ in His righteousness that we desire. It's kind of like Pringles. Once you pop, you can't stop. One pastor, uh, David Legg, he said this, he calls it Moorish. The more of Christ you get, the more of Christ you want. Let me illustrate from God's Word with two characters today. Two characters today. The first is Moses. How many remember Moses? Moses had his first calling uh, at, at the burning bush. How many remember that? He, was, he, he, he had saw this bush that was burning, and yet it did not burn up. He had an encounter with God, and God had called him reluctantly out of serving as a shepherd in the wilderness into going into Pharaoh's court and leading his people, God's people, in a promise that would bring them to freedom. So you have this encounter with Moses at the burning bush, and then Moses sees signs and wonders when he goes before Pharaoh, and he sees how God miraculously, after plague, after plague, after plague, and, and finally he even gets to the Red Sea, sees the miraculous parting of the Red Sea, the waters of the Red Sea. He sees how the Israelites are led by the very glory of God and the pillar of cloud by day, representing the glory of God, and the, the power of the fire by night, the pillar of fire by night. And he has this encounter. 
He sees water that God provides for his people out of a rock. He sees manna that literally shows up in the morning as dew on the ground from heaven, bread from heaven. He has the experience to see God provide quail as they just come in droves. He comes to the mountain, Mount Sinai, the thunder and the lightning and the encounter of God. He even goes up into that where God lays down and gives him the law and he spends 40 days and 40 nights with the Lord. And yet in Exodus chapter 33, 18, he says, Lord, show me your glory. I might be saying to Moses, haven't you seen enough? You've experienced in one burning bush more than I think I've had in my life. Haven't you had enough? And Moses said, no, 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 show me your glory. It's never enough. The more of God you get, the more of God you want. Just take a look at the second example, the Apostle Paul. He, he was someone who in his conversion experience had quite the experience where he was literally knocked off a donkey on his way to persecute and kill Christians and jail them. And he had a, his eyes were blinded and he heard a word from Jesus. Later on in the book of Acts, and further on, we see that he saw him again in the city of Corinth. And then we read in Corinthians that he said, I knew someone that was translated into the third heaven. We, most scholars believe it was Paul himself that had that experience of being up and, and experiencing the third heaven. And he even said to Timothy, I know whom I have believed. And yet experiencing all of this in Philippians 3.10, Paul said, he writes this, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to know him. I want to know him. See, the more that Paul experienced and the more that he knew Christ, the more he hungered and thirsted after righteousness, the more he wanted. The more he wanted. Friends, let me ask you, uh, a, a thirsty man crawling through the desert cries out, water, water, what does he want? Does he want water in a new car? Does he want water in a new home? Does he want water in a new outfit? No, he cries out, water and water alone. How's your appetite? What is it that you've been snacking on that is causing you to not hunger and thirst after the righteousness of the Lord? What is it when you long for satisfaction in your soul that you take these little snacks on things that don't satisfy you but leave you constantly empty and hurting and wanting more? How's your appetite? You see, Isaiah 55 says this, come to me. This is the words of the prophet. This is Jesus' invitation. Come to me, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters, you who have no money. Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me. Eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. How's your appetite? How's your appetite? The worship team's gonna come. You see, if the message today has stirred up anything in you that, that says, oh, I feel a need. I feel a need, I've got an emptiness, then you need to thank the Lord because God is inviting you today to pursue a hunger and thirst for righteousness where you will experience a filling unlike anything in this world that can satisfy. I want to end today with a prayer from A.W. Tozier. A.W. Tozier wrote a book called The Pursuit of God. And in this book, he wrote this prayer that is a response of the heart. It's a deep longing for God. And I hope today that you will make this your prayer. Listen to what A.W. Tozier wrote. He said, oh God, I've tasted of your goodness. It's both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. 
I am painfully conscious that I am in need of further grace. I'm ashamed of my lack of desire. Oh God, the triune God, I want you. I long to be filled with your longing. I thirst to be made thirsty still. Show me your glory that I may pray to be made more thirsty still. That I may know you indeed. Show me your glory and I pray that I may know you indeed. Begin in mercy a new work of love within me. Say to my soul, rise up. Rise up, my love, and come away. Then give me the grace to rise up and follow you up from this misty lowland where I have wandered so long. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, how's your hunger? How's your thirst? How's your appetite for righteousness? Isn't it time today to say, oh God, stir up in me a new appetite for you. Stir up in me a new appetite for righteousness, a new appetite for holiness, a new appetite to want to know you more. If that's your prayer today, will you slip up your hand today? I want to pray for you today. I want more. I want more. I don't want to be satisfied. I want more. Father, you see the hands that are raised today. God, we desire more. We want to be hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Father, just help us today. Lord, show us the areas of our lives where we have snacked on the things of this world that do not satisfy. And Lord, I pray today that you would just stir that conviction in our hearts. We repent of those things. And Father, we say, make us hungry and thirsty for you. God, make us hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Father, that we have been called to live righteously. And may you stir that desire up inside of us that we would want to know you more and be like you more. Oh God, stir it up within us. Do your work inside of us, oh God. Do your work of change inside of us that we would pursue you and your path and your righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, will you stand? And let's just close by worshiping the Lord today. If you want to come and just seek the Lord, I encourage you to do that. You can gather around these altars and let's just seek the Lord today. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's Word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.